Hey, what's up, everybody? It's your girl, Jamie, sipping two full with Jesus. And guess what? It's time to rise. Hello everybody, it's Jamie with It's Time to Rise. So what am I introducing? If you tuned in to our very first broadcast last week, I told you this program is about some very taboo and topics that would cause controversy that may have some very defining thoughts and perspectives that could be argumentative, oppositional, and just could really pique the interest of people who have been inundated by media and resources, extremely opinionated, but have not been strategic in problem solving. So today I want to talk about urban economic development. I have a passion for urban economic development simply because of the diversities within this particular sector of um community development, should say. I want to let you know that there is evolutionary thinking so that we become, or that evolutionary thinking, let me state it like this, evolutionary thinking so that you are able to revolutionize strategic problem solving that is tactical and intentional to create change in the community. So when we look at one aspect or a facet of city development, business development, um, government, we must look at the infrastructure. And that's why we were looking at things tactically last week. This week, we want to delve into the core of the matter. Now, often it takes the wrong experience to sometimes gain the right perspective on what is wrong so that it could be fixed. I'd like to tell you, many of you are tuning in noonday on Sundays and you're like, I'm expecting the word of God. I'm expecting the power gospel hour that is going to tickle my toes and have me screaming with my Noel Jones, T.D. Jakes head bob. I want to let you know, I love the Lord with all my heart, with all that is within me and I serve him. But I'm not a churchy kind of girl. I'm very realistic as to what is going on around me, to the world that we are walking through. Yes, kingdom minded, but the things that surround us. And so I present the information a bit differently than others. And it's really to spark your or to pique an interest on how you're able to take biblical principles um, Christian leadership and apply them to strategic problem solving for everyday issues. So since I came to Christ, it was late in life. I'm going to be 38 next month to the day. And I am, uh, I've been in the way about, uh, I've been saved for 10 years. In the way is another word. Is It's another understanding. So I, when I, although I Confess Jesus as Lord and Savior. I was not living the right way. And God literally took his staff around my neck and was like, <laughs> you get over here. You need to get into the way. So naturally, I became very zealous for God. I have two children. One is eight and the other one is six, going to be seven. They're about 15 months apart. Right. 
And I started raising them based on the principles or the precepts that I was learning, the foundational principles of the commandments of Christ. So I monitored what they watched. I was taking them to church and I'm listening to, you know, all the gospel music. And then I wouldn't call it gospel. I would call it worship. I was listening to all the worship music. I was kind of like, I I wasn't overdoing it, but I was setting a system in place. Well, life happens and... When I was building that system and that foundation, some changes came with life and my children were no longer in that type of environment again, right? Or environment with me. Although it wasn't extremely different, there were many differences. So fast forwarding, I'm in the car now with my two girls and my daughter's listening to the radio and she's like, mom, mom. You got to change that song. And I'm like, why? What's up? She goes, this song says God is a woman. I said, what? She heard it immediately, which means the foundation that I instilled in her. We know that God is not a woman. And if anybody tries to tell you that you call the devil the whole liar that he is. My daughter was like, oh, so I understood. I don't raise my kids in that in that bubble because If you raise your kids in a bubble without a foundation, you won't be able, they won't be able to stand up or face the challenges in everyday life or in this world. You know, the right foundation must be built so that when something comes to challenge it or comes to change it, the appearance might be different. But the framework is cemented so that something cannot be destroyed. So, for example, I told you my kids were in my environment and went into another. While there were similarities, there were some major differences. And my kids had to be able to be thrown into that environment to not conform to a certain part of that system. And they were fortified in the word of God so much so that when I was listening to the radio, They're like, God is a woman. My daughter was like, "Uh uh-uh, that's not right. So why am I rambling on about this? Well, it all associates with urban economic development. I want you to think broadly. What is a community? And what does a community contain? Well, let's think about it. Take a look around. People, houses, stores or businesses, corporations, banks, Government, what else? You know, recreational, which is under business. But there's different things that make up a community. But without people, you won't have a community. So for all of you churchy people and saying this is Sunday morning gospel, let me give you from the word of God. And we're going to the book of Nehemiah, who is one of the minor prophets. In the book of Nehemiah, in the very beginning, Nehemiah is very sorrowful about what he sees. He enters into his city and he sees the city has been destroyed. The gates are destroyed. The city was symbolic. The community was symbolic of a meeting place where they were able to be themselves fully and wholly, meaning their whole selves, meaning their traditions, their ways, their upbringing, all of that. It was a reminder of what was happening. And they saw the destruction. Nehemiah saw the destruction of the city. He goes to the king and he's like, listen, I need to go rebuild my city. 
So now we get to Nehemiah 2 and 18. He says, let us rise up and build. Nehemiah gets a uh, crew or he, you know, he orchestrates the rebuilding of the city by building a team. Now, what they were doing were actually rebuilding the gates. And the city gates symbolized where, you know, business happened. Uh, prophets often spoke the word of God, governmental decisions, exchanges. So gates represent what comes in and what goes out. Something that should not be let in at this point was permissible because of what happened to the parameters. Remember, we spoke last week about setting up your infrastructure and the four corners, but something was let into the city that should not have been let in. Well, now we have to look at the groundwork and the foundation, the groundwork and the foundation. I just told you about my two daughters and the groundwork was laid before the life event happened and my kids going into another environment, even though it wasn't the same influence. I told you, truth be told, there were some similarities for a time. They saw different things other than what I was instilling. Because I didn't keep them in the bubble, they adjusted very quickly with the system that was in place and said, oh, that's wrong. Oh, that's right. Oh. And kids are kids, so they did pick up different things. Now, bubble kids doesn't mean, doesn't always mean protective and sheltered, while that's the predominant meaning of it. A bubble is a small place that is created by breath and an agent. Think about it. You take a wand, you take some soap, you put some breath in it, and boom, there's a bubble. When that agent has properties to be filled with the area to create a space, what you speak in it is going to surround that space. I told you urban economic is every urban economic development is different and it starts from the grassroots management to affect change, which means the groundwork is different. I'm specifically telling you that starting with the principal aspect is building people. Urban economic development, as stated, has such a unique infrastructure based on diversities of social scales, which are relational to family, community, business scales, and the influence of transient communities that forges greater variances that alter the appearance of an incremental scale to demonstrate the disparity between high and low income. I'm simply stating that when we look at shaping communities around standards and raising the bar of expectation for those within the community, we must first level out the playing field. Systems of dependence infuriate those who are systematically living independently, creating a strategic gap allotment in mindset, which is perpetuated by the underlying bands of poverty. When you understand what poverty creates, how is poverty created? I said, we're going to get raw. We really are going to get raw with this. And I want to tell you that it came during the most heated time in America. We have this pandemic, the C-19, I don't give it life, pandemic, that's what I call it. We have this pandemic and then seemingly so a race riot starts and we see actually the unification of 
um, different races coming together to support a Black Lives Matter movement. And there are many different um, perspectives about what was considered to be ethical, what was considered to be an action of perpetuated disparities, injustices, and um, so the social injustices against the African-American community. We also have some very right, right wing, red wing, right wing perspectives. And the opposition to those perspectives have been rooted in the unhealed mindset hearts of slavery and Truth be told, many of the, I want to say, I, I want to use the word animalistic, but I, I, I say that because for anybody to hate someone because of their race or their color without knowing the content of their character and to brutally hurt someone is animalistic. And to allow that to cover it up is outside of injustice. It has a greater level or weight of, and I, and it's almost like how do you how do you explain this? How do you even how do you even gather the words together and string them together to be able to articulate the abuse that people have taken simply by simply being them, the hate language that is, you know, perpetuated and or even tossed around so nonchalantly. And I'm saying that even within the community itself, something evidently and obviously has to change. I was having a conversation with a gentleman about um, the city of Newark and what I've seen and and how I viewed something. And I want to go biblical on this. Now, the Bible says that an abomination, that a false balance or an imbalance, a false balance is an abomination unto the Lord, right? So we talked about disparities in the communities. And this false balance or this imbalance, I'm talking about economic plight of the minority community. And so with that, during the 1960s, the government decided, even before then, excuse me, the government decided to build the projects in the city of Newark. When the government gave the city of Newark money, the city of Newark was already um, the trading area, highly lucrative ground, business-oriented corporations, textiles, industrials. So this was a rich port. This city was rich. The city had money, and people who lived here had money, shopped here, lived here, and worked here. When the government decided to build these project housings, they were not built for the minority community. They were built for the low income community. Since the push in the movement of the civil rights movement, minorities were then integrated into the community. Here's a thought right quick, which is gonna cause you to think, why would a rich city want to bring minorities who they knew were underpaid, 
did not receive fair wages and were unable to do or compete in a business arena, and I'm not saying unable because they weren't, but thought they were unable to compete in a business arena because of the restriction of opportunities, because of the social injustices of the separatism and the segregation, and not willingly give opportunities to those who are minorities. And let's be for real, there is a disparity in the type of jobs that minorities hold versus others. So why would the government strategize a plan to bring minorities to a rich city where seemingly so they seemingly so they would not be able to contribute? Crickets, I'll wait. Well, there was a mindset in that time that, hey, let's bring them to work the land. Now, I want you to switch the perspective here, and this is where it's going to get raw deal. When God wants to level out a playing field, God will bring you into a place where you have not sowed and you will reap of that land. God will bring you into a rich city and somehow make it yours. So was this the time where we saw the minority rising through a seemingly oppressive system? Could that have been a prophetic plan of God to bring the minority into a rich city to reap what they should have been getting everywhere else that they were not getting. So let's take a look at the history of Newark. Once the riots came from the, um, the housing issues, the employment issues and everything else, the city was literally abandoned by a lot of the businesses. A lot of it was ruined and destroyed. And it was left in shambles for decades, for decades. Just recently, we start seeing the revitalization is what they call it of the city of Newark. Just recently, building up Newark, you know, beautiful tall buildings and this and the financial district and the aesthetics. But what happened in that time frame? From the riots of 1967, all the way, I'd say, up into the early 2000s. Well, it was almost like, okay, businesses are pulling out. You're going to have other businesses come in. You're going to have this infiltrate this area and that infiltrate that area and that. And what am I saying? And we're going to be realistic. Drugs, guns, and illegal activity. To the point where that it divided the community who was supposed to be united. So poverty will have you do things that you normally wouldn't want to do because of such an oppressive system. But there was a choice. And I want to present to you today that it's time to make a choice to change the mindset, to make a choice to be healed from the past hurts 
of the unfair situations of the restrictions that were placed that were placed on a group of people, the oppression, and to move forward, move forward, rise up and build again. Because the thing is, if you have not taken a look at the community around you and how it is changing, there are two people in this world, two people in this world, those who beneath or beneath that will rise and those that will, I want to be careful in what I say. There are those that beneath that will rise up and there are those that are on top that, well, you know, we got laws of gravity here. Why am I saying all of this? It's time to open up your eyes. It's time to really start at a, and, and I, when I say grassroots, we know that grassroots is for movement, but it's time to start with the people by building people who build communities, who build businesses, who get property, who build homes, who make investments and who grow. If, like I said, I instilled a foundation into my children, what you speak into that bubble is what you see. Can you honestly say that within this community, parents are taught to speak life into their children and raise them up outside of the seemingly restrictions that have been placed on them and generations before them? I can go on and on about how we have to start looking at people first. You can place a veneer on the community. When Nehemiah went in, when they strategically orchestrated or they strategically formulated a plan to rebuild the gates and secure the cities, the Bible says that they were securing the lock so that it would open and close. There are some things that simply need to be closed off to this city. And that is the truth. There are some things that you must switch your perspective and see what is happening right in front of you. This land was given to people who were not treated the right way as part of reparations. And when others could not rise up and cultivate the land slowly but surely, it got destroyed. I'm telling you that the perspective needs to switch from anger and hate from an oppressive past and generational cycles of it to one who is going to fight for what is theirs. You've suffered through with this city. You don't let anybody take it from you. And that is the truth. And I'm telling you, until you change your mindset, until you understand what game you're playing, you will always be pushed below by the iron fist until you straighten out your back. When people are ready to straighten out their back, it's because something is coming off of it and you're going to rise. And it's not going to happen until you change the way you think and then change the way you talk.
I was looking up some information and I saw a quote from a journal, um, a journal article from the journal World Vision, and it was titled Working with the Poor. And it says the strategies and approaches of transformational development affirm the dignity and worth of people as created in the image of God. People communities are challenged to define their own vision and manage their own development process as planners, implementers, evaluators and change agents themselves. Recognizing that the roots of poverty are complex, transformational development nonetheless seeks to enhance people's awareness and ability to free themselves from cultural, social, spiritual bondage that causes them to remain in poverty, oppression, and unjust relationships. The manner by which this will be done will be consistent with the character and activity of a loving and just God. It will be the redemptive, nonviolent, and it will be the redemptive, nonviolent, and who, those who seek reconciliation. Poverty is not simply an economic imbalance, but also oppression by principalities and powers holding the poor captive. Not only must interventions employed be technically appropriate, sustainable, and of high quality, but we should also rely on committed Christian staff, prayer, scripture, and the power of the Holy Spirit. As Nehemiah went into the city and he restored the gates of the city, he put in place Levitical priests and those who would counsel. It all starts with God. Building the right relationship with God means that you see yourself clearly. And the God that I serve, Jesus Christ, Lord and Savior, is not restricted. He's a limitless God. The problem is that when you shape a mindset with can't, won't, will not, You've then created a prisoner of somebody who's living in the limitations of their predecessors and they won't grow past the predecessors. And that's what perpetuates a cycle of systematic dependency. I have a very strong opinion about systematic dependency and how while it seemingly seems you can see that you are getting what you need. You're actually being forced to live beneath your means because there was a limitation put upon you based on a mindset of generational poverty. What must we do to make the change? Urban economic development is going to require a complete restructuring of a transform transformative development program that starts at the ground level. And the ground level, if you look at a governmental infrastructure, the ground level starts with the people. The strategic gap allotment that is between the disparities and the scales, the misrepresentation and the overrepresentation of another perpetuate these plans that seemingly don't think of the others. And we have such a, um, a vast gap. There, there's such a, a difference in the needs from one group to the next that there's a misrepresentation on either side that community representatives can only do so much with the book knowledge that they have. But have somebody who's lived this life and who understands what it means to be on both sides of the coin so that you can have a relative perspective to every party that's involved or every representation within an urban community. We must be for real. We can throw around these words. We can call it economic development or we can call it gentrification. And I think that we're going to continue in this vein until we really start to open up our eyes to the truth and come to a place where we can meet strategically 
formulate a plan for growth so that what you have been given remains in your hands. And that's my time for today. So I wanted to just tell you briefly, listen, I am on Facebook under Jamie, J-A-M-I-E-O-R-T-I-Z. I I deliver the word daily. I have Mind Shift Minutes, which would also help in the area of personal development. I do a program called Saturday Morning Counseling. I also give the word of the Lord Friday Night Fire. And we have other resources to come. Additionally, we have Wednesday Word Explosion at Agape Family Worship Center every Wednesday, which is posted to the Facebook and Smooth Sailing Sunday with Dr. Lawrence Powell from Agape Family Worship Center in Rahway. If you are led to, please join me on the Facebook platform and continue to tune in to It's Time to Rise. If you have any questions or want to connect with me, www.risecommunityconsultants.com. Have a great day, everyone. So everyone, that's my time for today. It was amazing speaking with you. Listen, connect with us. You can check us out at www.risecommunityconsultants.com. You can subscribe to the blogs, um, the updates on the website and the information. There is a slew of information, a little bit of something for everybody. Listen, if you want to talk about a particular topic or maybe insight, please send us an email. You can connect with us via email or just simply on the contact card. Send us your information. It will come right to the email and we'll be able to create a show based on some of the hot topics that you like. So thanks for tuning in with It's Times to Rise, which is sponsored in part by Rise Community Consultants. Everybody have a great week.